morning. Would you please stand and sing with us? each other.
Thank you. Thank you, kids. Thank you, band. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you, Megan, um, for getting us all set up. That's like taking the opening kickoff. Back for a touchdown, right? We're already off to a good day. We have uh, announcements. It's a busy season, so we've got a number of announcements. We want to make sure we get them right. If you'll turn to your bulletin and turn to the section that says Radical Hospitality. In these weeks, I want you to take your bulletin home with you. I want you to do it all the time, but definitely take it home with you now. We have important items in there. Leslie puts a great deal of work into getting it right. Um, we want to make sure that you feel informed. We'd like to frame our um, announcements and our five practices of fruitful congregations, the first of which is radical hospitality. Um, we're not perfect, um, but we try to be. We try to, we're striving towards giving a friendly, happy environment when you come in the door. Um, we obviously have seating in the bleachers. We have seating at this table over here. You can sit over here if you like. You can sit in the middle. Um, wherever you would like to sit, we're happy to have you. It's going to be a wild scene today because the kids are singing the offering. Uh, so they're going to be in the front too, so hang with me. Um, and we're grateful for y'all being here. Thank you. Um, uh, radical Hospitality. We have visitor cards and prayer cards. If you would like to participate in the prayer life of our church or you have a concern, uh, you can raise your hand right now and an usher will bring you a prayer card. Um, that will be given to our Tuesday prayer group and staff. On the front of your bulletin is a pastoral care emergency line. I might need to change that. It's not necessarily for emergencies. If you want to share a prayer concern with us, just leave a voicemail and we get an email immediately. If you do have an immediate concern, leave a voicemail. We'll get an email and we'll respond to you as quickly as possible. I think we've got about five instances in the last six months where somebody's used it and we were there. It works. And so I encourage you to do that. Uh, share it with our prayer group as well. We have new newsletters out that came out last week. Um, they are in the back if you did not get one. We also have a digital one in every email that goes out Tuesday and Thursday. If you say what email that goes out Tuesday and Thursday, write Leslie, Leslie at Memorial Greer and say, please add me to the um, Tuesday, Thursday email and you'll get it. Um, there's a link for it. You can get that every time. We're going to hand out um, two things. Uh, Cindy is uh, one of our ushers today. And we're going to give them to two different groups so that we make sure we don't get confusion. Tyler has a black folder that Caitlin's been talking about that has opportunities for you to serve and lead in our service. Our service goes well because we have gifted leaders um, who give us time. It's not complicated what they do. Uh, it does take time, it does take dedication, but it's not complicated. If you see that folder and you want to participate, sign up, and um, we'll make sure that you have what you need in order to do it. Um, we also have the attendance register going by, and I want to say something about passionate worship in regards to the attendance register. Aaron is doing Advent family home devotionals uh, that you can take home with you. They um, are a good bit to print. Uh, we'll print as many as we absolutely need, plus five. Um, but we want to know what we need. We want to be faithful um, stewards of our gifts, of, our pa of paper, of ink, of all that stuff. You can put in the attendance register as it goes by, home devotional and the number that you need. And we'll get you exactly that. Um, we'll make sure that you get it. Um, so if you would like to participate in that, make sure you do. Also regarding passionate worship, next week is Consecration Sunday. You'll hear about that for the final time today um, from uh, the Duncans telling us about why this church um, is, is important to them and from our lay leader, Ralph Johnson, about the step chart that's in your bulletin. And we're going to take some time today because uh, it matters to us in the way that um, we talk about consecration. But the, the logistical part is next Sunday there is one service. You know what time that service is? 10 o'clock. You know where that service is? Sanctuary. 10 o'clock in the sanctuary. Um, if you have not signed up for our celebration dinner, which will be in here immediately following the worship service, put celebration dinner in the attendance thing right out from your name. 
and put the number, and we'll make sure that we get that number down for you. Um, there is one service next week at 10 o'clock. Um, we want to make sure you know that. Did you see the black fence as you came in? The black fence is the border of the prayer garden that's coming because uh, Aaron has designed it and pitched it to our um, trustees and the faithful members of our church that are interested in doing it. There is a planting day on Saturday, November 18th. That's two weeks from yesterday, one week from yesterday, right? One, a week, this Saturday. <laughs> Come on now, You're drawing it up in the dirt. Uh, this Saturday at 9 o'clock, please email Aaron if you can come. Every staff member you can email by doing their first name at memorialgreer.com uh, so we can ensure we have a good workforce that day. Please bring your own tools and your own gloves. It's going to be a neat thing uh, that's part of our um, passionate worship on our campus for every age group. We're going to take our consecra consecration class through there, take our kids through there. You can go through there at any point in time. We believe in intentional faith development. Um, and next Sunday... Because of Consecration Sunday and because of the youth trip, um, we will not have Sunday night programming for children, youth, and adults. Make sure you pay attention to that. And actually, the 26th, um, pay attention to that because that's the Sunday after Thanksgiving. It may be two weeks. We'll definitely tell you. We believe in risk-taking mission and service. And I'm going to call on Adam Wycliffe. Um, Adam has helped uh, with a walk that we do um, in our uh, community for a number of years. He's going to tell us why it matters. Good morning. I'm Adam Wycliffe. Um, I go to church here. Uh, many, many years ago, Merle State, who's a member of Memorial Methodist, led an effort to build a soup kitchen for the Greer community. Today, that soup kitchen serves over 50,000 meals a year. That's a lot of plates. Within the past few years, a church has been a leader in helping to raise over half a million dollars to build, to build Greer Step, which is our homeless shelter here in town. Both of these missions are operated by Daily Bread Ministries, which show Christ's love through action to help end hunger and homelessness in the Greer community. Uh, next Sunday, because we need more things to do, on, uh, at 2 o'clock, we're going to be holding our 13th annual Merle State Hunger Walk to help raise funds and awareness of its programs. This is a short walk from the church's parking lot right out here to the soup kitchen. It's a great way for your family to uh, help bring awareness of hunger and homelessness to our community and support one of Greer's uh, relief agencies. Dogs are welcome. So bring all your dogs, and uh, t-shirts will be available for a donation. If you need more information, you can ask me or call the soup kitchen. The mission and service team meets tomorrow night at 6 p.m. The consecration leadership team, you should have received an email, contact about that being uh, tomorrow night uh, in the social hall. Make sure that you come. Finally, extravagant generosity. We've talked about it a good bit in these, coming in, uh, these last weeks. And the Duncans are going to share um, why this church is significant to them. And then I'm going to call Ralph Johnson up. Good morning. I'm Allison Duncan, and I've had the privilege of um, being a church member here my entire life. Um, and I feel so grateful to be able to raise my boys in the same church that I, I was brought up in. Tom and Graham. Tom just sang up here, and Graham's over there. Um, this is my husband, Kevin. And um, talking about what this church means to me, that's very difficult to put into um, several words, but um, here it goes. So, you know, I grew up in this church, and... Um, my parents instilled in me the importance 
of the teachings of John Wesley. Um, yes, it's important to show up on Sunday mornings, but it's, and it's important to tithe, but it's also really important to give your time and your talents. This congregation means the world to my family and I. Um, I'm grateful to call it um, a congregation, but it's my church family, as I prefer to say. They've been here for my family and I through the most joyous times and the most difficult times in my life. I encourage you to pledge your commitments, but also to get plugged in here. Even the smallest job can make a difference, whether it's helping on the church grounds with the prayer garden or volunteering during nursery, um, becoming a Sunday school teacher, coaching a basketball team. Everything makes a difference. I always love to tell people that, um, you know, if you get plugged in, you're going to make a difference here, but you're going to see a difference in your life and how God works in your life. Um, you know, coming to church here, we always say in my Sunday school class that, you know, I don't go ch to church here, we do life together here. Good morning. Technology. I didn't grow up at uh, Memorial, um, but I've been a member now 10 years. And I remember when <clears throat> I started coming with Allison, um, and I remember, you know, at that time it was Arthur that was the, uh, the minister, and he made me at ease, and, uh, you know, uh, if you knew him, he kept it pretty simple, and he told me not to worry about a thing, and the reason why, he said, you know, good Baptists make great Methodists. <laughs> I said, thanks, so it's going to be easy. Um, but, you know, you know, we really, Allison and I really had the opportunity when we got married to dive in, and that was with, uh, you know, the cross-training Sunday school class that was through being on the finance committee, leading Bible studies, volunteering, you know, coaching basketball. Um, you know, as being a part of the finance committee, you get to see the church um, in a different way. And through that way, obviously, we see that, that tithing is important, and that's this time of season. Um, but that is one perspective. And as we've grown in our faith, Allison and I both see the consecration season as also a time of reflection. You know, and we ask ourselves these questions, and I hope you do today and through this time of season. Are we doing enough for our church? Are we doing what God has commanded us to do? Are we truly plugged in with the Holy Spirit? You know, reflecting on your monetary gift and as we prepare for next week is vital and is important to our church growth. But there are so many other ways that you can impact this church and this community, as Allison spoke about. And I think about as we close, I'm going to give a scenario and then a challenge. You know, when we, you know, we're obviously in the wintertime, but when we get in the springtime, remember if you had a pool and you take that cover off of the pool for the first time, and you're thinking, man, it's going to be really cold and chilly. And you kind of go up to the edge, and you might stick your toe in or your foot in, and you're like, ooh, you know. I encourage you, just dive in. Don't worry about how cold it is. Be passionate and continue to show that Memorial is a beacon of life and God's love in this community. Thanks. Thank you, Duncans. Ralph Johnson is this church's lay leader in the United Methodist Church. They can come to anything there is. I've never seen one a person take that as seriously as Ralph Johnson does, and I'm grateful for that. Ralph is going to take you through the step chart, which um, you may look and you think, wow, we're talking about this in worship. 
it shows you just tiny steps, and I think it matters, and Ralph will explain why. Thank you, Joe. Um, I noticed this morning we got, have a nice big crowd, and I thought, well, you know, that's because, and people seem to be happy this morning. And I thought, well, that's because uh, Clemson and Carolina both won yesterday. But I believe it's because the children are singing, actually. Are there any Georgia fans out there? If there are, I got two words for you. War Eagle. I've been asked to... Uh, <laughs> I've been asked to go over the one-step chart um, that's uh, part of our new Consecration Sunday program. Uh, but before I do, let me say that uh, if you see Marion Waters, uh, you need to tell him thank you. Uh, there, if you've been involved in this one-step program before, or the Consecration Sunday program before, you'll know that there is an awful lot of preparation that goes into it, and uh, Marion has... Uh, made that effort, and hopefully we'll see the results of it. And I'm sure Marion would also tell you that you need to thank uh, Leslie for uh, her backup as well. I think she's done a lot of uh, the, the, the stuff uh, behind the scenes for Marion. <clears throat> Over the past three weeks, and then again today, you've heard members of a congregation stand up here and share with us their personal story about what memorial means to them. Uh, you and I are no different. Uh, we all have a reason for being here. We all have a story. Uh, in some way, God has led each one of us here. Uh, now, Marion only asked me to present the one-step chart and not to share any testimony, but I can't get up here without um, sharing a little bit uh, or a few words about the legacy and the tradition of giving that makes uh, Memorial unique. Uh, in April of this year, my mother uh, lost a four-year battle with uh, cervical cancer. She was 93 years old and had been a member here since 1944. Um, last year, at about this same time, she made her pledge for 2017. And although she knew that she would not live but a few more months, she was adamant that her 2017 pledge be fulfilled, and she made provisions for it. <clears throat> but she's not alone. Uh, I've known of memorial members who have continued to give when they were confined to a nursing home or were shut-ins at home, and those who have, who have died like my mother but left some type of a legacy, uh, a generous gifts for memorial. And why do you suppose they did that? Uh, I would suggest that they felt a special bond with memorial. Um, because they saw what Memorial was doing, not just here on this campus, but in the community, and they also had a vision of what Memorial could do in the future. Look at this beautiful building, the beautiful sanctuary that we have, and as you walk around the campus, I, I think sometimes we don't look at these uh, things, but there are plaques on the, uh, in the corridor out here where these rooms were, were given. There are, if you're sitting in the sanctuary, look at the pew in front of you and you will see somebody's name on there. Um, look at the stained glass windows over in the sanctuary and you will see somebody's name on there. These are all gifts that were given uh, to memorial. And they're reminders of those folks who came before us. Uh, and now it's our turn. And so now um, I'd like to talk to you about the, the Consecration Sunday 
during this coming week, each one of us hopefully will give some thought as to what uh, we will, what we're willing, what God is calling us to give for 2018. Uh, in your bulletin this morning is an insert, and I hope you'll take that out and, and look at it. hand and an usher yeah. will bring you one. A pencil or if you have not signed up, Joe mentioned, but I noticed that the, that the, the sign up register was almost all the way through but when Joe mentioned it, but uh, if you have not signed up for the Consecration Sunday uh, luncheon next week, please uh, hold your hand up and uh, the ushers will give you one of those too. Now even if you're not coming, you need to sign up because if we don't hear from you, we're going to call you, okay? Um, I'm going to give you some numbers, so hopefully everybody's got one of those pulled out in front of them and a pencil, and I'd like for you to write these down. <clears throat> by the way, these, were these numbers that I'm going to give you were prepared by our church's financial secretary. Nobody else has seen them. Starting at the lower left, at the very bottom of the step... Write in the number 113 under zero. That means that there are 113 of our members who come regularly who are not recorded as contributing to the financial support of our church for 2017. The next step, write in the number three. So three members give up to $4.99 a month, a week. <clears throat> As an example, this represents maybe uh, two sausage biscuits and a cup of coffee. Okay? The next step is uh, from $5 to $9.99. Write in four members for that step. And you can probably go to a matinee movie for, for 10 bucks. I don't know. I've I hadn't been to the movies in a long time. Um, the next step, from 10 to $20, uh, write in 11 members. Now, you may look at some of these numbers and be a little bit baffled by them, but if you looked at last year's numbers, uh, what you will see, or what I saw, was that... Um, we had a lot of people that took a step up. So as we go up the, up the stair steps here, you'll see that there are, uh, there are more members the higher we go than there were last year. Okay, the next step is 20 to 30 members, and, uh, or 20 to $30, and that represents 23 members. From 30 to $40 is 11 members. From 40 to 50 is 14. From 50 to 75 is 22. From 75 to 100 is 16. From 100 to 150, 31. From 150 to 200 is 3. And from 200 and higher is 2. Now, if you'll turn your sheet over and look at the left-hand column, 
Follow it down until you come to a number that is closest to your weekly income. And now move left to right and find the number closest to your family's giving per week. Then move your eyes up to the top of the page and you'll see the percentage of your income that that represents. During the coming week, each of us will ponder the question, what percentage of my income is God calling me to give? Is it possible for me to move up one step? Okay, I think the ushers have given out anybody that has a, uh, a sign-up for next week. Uh, if there were any of those, if you'd raise their, your hand, the ushers will pick those up. Remember, the luncheon next week is a catered luncheon. It's not potluck. You don't have to bring anything. Just show up. Um, but like I said, if you're unable to attend, I hope you'll also indicate that on one of the sign-up cards. Uh, we'll have one service, 10 o'clock, in the sanctuary. And the reason it's in the sanctuary is we need to set up this facility uh, for the luncheon. In closing, I hope you and your family will set aside some quiet time this week. Turn off the TV, put down the iPad, silence that iPhone, and talk to each other and pray about what percentage of your income God is calling you to give for His work through this church. And I think Joe's probably going to say something about this. Uh, and I noticed the children, uh, when they sang before the church started, uh, that uh, we had a, uh, something up on the board talking about Veterans Day. But uh, if you see a veteran today, thank him for keeping you safe. Thank you, Ralph. And I thank you for your patience as we go through that. I thank you for your consideration as you consider the steps. Every part of this process matters to us. And I can tell you that we don't just expect you to give. We've been very thoughtful about our budget. Our staff has been very thoughtful. And we've done a number of things that have actually saved us a great deal of money uh, with our um, HVAC and LED lighting. So thank you. As Ralph said, um, we're going to ask veterans, if you're willing, uh, to stand at this moment. Let's pray for our veterans, for our church, for our service. Gracious God, we cannot count the number of instances in which people of our nation have served us here and abroad with things that we know and things that we don't know, with things that are helping others by standing in the, in the way of those who want to harm others. And for that, we are deeply grateful. We're grateful for their physical commitment, their emotional commitment, for the commitment of their families as they were here, as they were beyond, as they came back home. Lord, help us in every way possible to support veterans in our community, to reach out to them, to reach out to their families, to love them in um, every way that they should be loved. And as we consider aspects of boot camp in the military, as we look at our text for the day, as we have a number of things swirling around us in this service, in our life, in this church, in our families, 
We ask that you give us a tiny window of focus, Lord, that we can hear your text for us this day, that we can understand your purpose, that we can live in your way, and that we can impact others. Inspire us this morning, Lord, as we pray the prayer your Son taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let's look at a picture. Let's talk about boot camp. Boot camp has a minimum of three very significant things that it wants to achieve in those that participate. To deconstruct weakness and to construct strength. To build a deep bond and desire for peers and those around you. And to give skill sets that become reactions rather than thoughts. We want to prepare, 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 and then wait. And we might have to wait a long time before those preparations come into action. But they're going to do things in every phase of military training that want to establish those three things at a bare minimum. Deconstruct our weaknesses and increase our strengths. Build a deep bond for peers and build skill sets that become reactions rather than thoughts. Matthew 25, starting with verse 1. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten young bridesmaids who took their lamps and went out to meet the groom. Now five of them were wise, and the other five were foolish. The foolish ones took their lamps but didn't bring oil for them. But the wise one took their lamps and also brought containers of oil. Let's look at your first phrase. Setting up a division. One side or the other. And the answer to the question is full. Now if I said to you, I want all the fools to stand on this side, and I want all the preparers to stand on this side, how would that work out? When you set up that division, sometimes it's easy and there is a real um, break in your community. But if you set up your story as some people were fools and some people were smart, there's going to be two reactions to that on the part of the hearers. And they might lead to whether you're a fool or not. The first one is, oh, I already know I'm not a fool. I don't even have to worry about this one. The second reaction is, well, wait now. What do fools do? Because I'm going to make sure I don't do that. I want to make sure that I avoid that. So we're setting up a division, one side or the other. One side is foolish, one is not. And you know what? If you're talking about bridesmaids and you're talking about the groom's not coming, that doesn't relate to our current context in a number of different ways. If we're talking about keeping lamps going, that doesn't relate much to our current context unless we like that sort of stuff and have it around our house. Let me give you some uh, uh, next phrase, modern terms. You got your laptop working in class, but you got no charger. You got your laptop at the airport, you got no charger. 
You downloaded movies, you're about to get on the plane, got 10%. Nothing left. This is going to be an eight-hour flight, and no one can help me. There is no hope because that person has to charge theirs. They can't charge mine. How about a cell phone taking pictures on a trip, but your storage is too full? Storage is too full, and the only way to do it is to download the latest software. You can't download the latest software because you've got to have Wi-Fi to do that. You can only take two pictures. You've got the device, but you don't have what you need in order to use that device because you weren't aware of the weaknesses. You weren't aware of the problem because you had a number of things that you were thinking about in order to go on this trip. Now, there's a difference between having something and having nothing. Nothing, you know it and you act. I'll show you. Here's my phone. Walking out the door, don't have my phone. I know I don't have my phone. I just gotta grab my phone, gotta put it in my pocket. If you have nothing, it's easy. You run around and you grab the things you need, but if you have something, if you have a little bit, I pat, I'm going on the trip, I'm getting on the plane, I pat my pocket, my phone's there, I'm good. I have no idea the charger's sitting in the uh, uh, multi-extension deal in my bedroom. And I got one in my book bag, but I'm not taking my book bag. And I got one in my office, but I'm not going to be in my office. I'm just taking this single phone with 50% and no hope on this earth on a plane. When you have something, it gives you the sense that you have everything you need. Because you're patting, you feel, and you know that you have it right. This formula plays out again and again with the humans and Jesus in the Bible. With humans and God in the Bible, God says, I'm going to need you to take this thing. I'm going to need you to adopt this thing. And somebody feels that they got just enough. Oh, no, I'm fine. I've got a, a pretty good life. I've got a pretty good structure. I've got enough. I don't know that trading this enough that I have is worth following you to get everything. I'll just keep what I have and have a little bit. How do the people respond to him when they have nothing? When they're sitting by a well and they're um, ostracized by a community. They're ostracized by a community that's ostracized by all other communities. You're on the outside of the group that's on the outside. That person has got nothing. And they say, yeah, man. Let's go. But if you have that obstacle of having a little bit, it can hold you up. Verse 5. When the groom was late in coming, they all became drowsy and went to sleep. But at midnight there was a cry. Look, the groom, come out to meet him. Then all those bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. But the foolish bridesmaids said to the wise ones, Give us some of your oil, because our lamps have gone out. But the wise bridesmaids replied, No, because if we share it with you, there won't be enough for our lamps and yours. You have a better idea. We have a better idea. You go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. So the next word is late. Late's not a comforting thought, is it? Katie and the girls are going to the 11 o'clock service today, I can tell you that there's great pain and sadness due to lateness. You put your fate in other people's hands on Highway 29, in other people's hands as to whether you're going to make it or not. 
because we're late. And when you're late and you're pawing and you don't have it, you are in serious trouble. Late stretches resources. Late causes frustration. Late causes intense fatigue in a hurry. The Blue Ridge High School Choir is singing in our service, 11 o'clock service today. They're singing as part of a fundraiser, and in fact, if you want to contribute to it, make sure that um, you tell us that you want to do that, and we can contribute to them going to New York. Just because you weren't in their service, um, I'm sure you want to contribute to them. I had to leave for a trip for school and was driving at the time. It was very important that I be there. I was a little bit behind. I was grabbing all my stuff. I threw it in my trunk and somehow dropped my keys in my trunk and slammed the trunk down. Bam! One set of keys. Does this sound like me? Have y'all seen me do something like this? I've come a long way in 13, 23? 23 years. Not really. Just technology helps me out a little bit. Slam the keys down. It's done. Going to my dad. My dad does not have a comforting, loving response. He says, what? You did what? And my mom says, don't yell at him. He says, you're going to do something? Panicked thought. Grabbed a hammer. Smashed my window. Had to. I've told you this in a couple different settings. If you smash your window, don't smash the driver's side. Don't smash the front driver's side window. Go to the back passenger. No one's ever sitting there. If it happens, which it shouldn't, because now we have remote locks and y'all are responsible people. Late causes intense anxiety, and you are not ready to hear. You're not ready to participate. You might not even make it. He says, y'all go out. Y'all go to the store and get the stuff. Have you ever had to run to the store when you don't have time to run to the store? I've done it for communion, but just before a service. It's not comforting. I've done it when a youth group was up at Asbury Hills, and I didn't know if they thought that I was bringing it, and I was at the gate. I was 90 minutes early. There's no grocery store at Asbury Hills. Screaming back to TR. Screaming back to Asbury Hills. I wasn't in a good place to lead worship. And they had the stuff. We just didn't communicate. Doesn't put you in a happy place. And if you think you have everything you need, and then you don't, and then you panic, and then you run, and then you miss an opportunity, it's not a fun life. Verse 10. But while they were ready, while they were gone to buy oil, the groom came. Those who were ready went with him into the wedding. Then the door was shut. Later the other bridesmaids came and said, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he replied, I tell you the truth, I don't know you. Therefore keep alert, because you don't know the day or the hour. Leading up to Christmas, get more people in worship. And we break out a story in which people were shut out and told never to come back and in the outer darkness. That's not a great idea, is it? Except it's, it is. Because what we're talking about is preparation. Let's look at the next phrase, response to need. Why in the world would Jesus leave people on the other side of the door when he tells us to be friendly and welcome everyone? Well, in reality, Jesus helped people. In reality, someone was sick and he healed them. In reality, someone was broken, and he called them. In reality, someone was doing something outside of the community, and they were ostracized, and he brought them in. In reality. 
but in his stories, in his illustrations, in his metaphors to his people, it was about intensity, and you need to step up and wake up. So we have to have both. We have to have the openness and willingness to have people in, and when we have people in, we have to talk about the intensity needed in order to get the full thing, in order to understand the full thing, in order to not have one thing and figure that's the whole thing. So we got after him. Why does Jesus tell this story to people who are already involved? What did I say about boot camp? Boot camp is designed to destruct, deconstruct weakness and construct strength. It's designed to deal, build a deep bond for peers. It's designed to build skill sets that become reactions rather than thoughts. And so as Jesus welcomed people in, it was with open arms. As they came in, he said, y'all got to elevate. And we struggle with both, don't we? We usually want one or the other one. But these two things are held in deep tension in the Christian walk exactly on purpose. We bring anyone in, we welcome them with open arms, and then we try to elevate our behavior. And how is that being elevated today? It's your last phrase. Individual responsibility. So we talk a great deal about the significance of a community. A community that's designed to serve one another communion, to corporately confess, to read scripture, to be in mission with one another. There's times when we leave this community and there's only one person who has something to do with it. Who's that one person? You. And what does the oil in the lamp represent if it's a metaphor that Jesus is giving his people? Oil goes in the lamp according to Jesus' image through prayer. Personal prayer. Through personal action. Through personal response and pressing yourself beyond your boundaries. You think, you know what? I'm pretty much doing all I can do. That's all I got. Especially in this season. That is all I've got. The thing that I can do is all I've got. He's telling you that's not right. He's telling you there are opportunities in your life if you carve out time where you can pray, where you can be intentional about rest and wellness. We can lean on a group that supports you. And I can tell you that I'm in the 95th percentile of struggling with all three in ministry. Ministry around so many people so often causes me to seek isolation because I figure that's the thing that will help me. Ministry with so many people in so many cases in which we pray corporately causes me to think, oh, you know, I've you know, I prayed like three times a day. I'm probably good. I prayed in finance, prayed for over a meal, and I prayed in chapel. I'm good. There's an individual response. The need for community and health and wellness. This church, as people told me, is busy enough with my practices to drive me insane. And that doesn't mean you're wrong. It means that enough of what I was doing, of trying to do enough, of not having sleep, of not having exercise, 
of not paying attention to handing it over to other people, they said, soon enough, it'll get you. So two months ago, it did. And I said, okay, I'm going to wake up at 6 every morning instead of 7. I'm going to walk for 30 minutes every morning, no matter what. I'm going to listen to a book as I walk. I'm going to find a way to have health and wellness. I'm going to pay attention to what I've eaten. As soon as I moved here, until two months ago, I gained nine pounds. Isn't that crazy? Which isn't that crazy compared to when I started ministry, I've gained 50 pounds. 50. So I'm telling you that I'm taking it seriously and that this text is causing us all to take it seriously, individually, to pray with one another, to pray individually, to get more sleep, to eat better, to find ways to serve others individually. Nothing to do with the church asking you to do it because that kind of stuff gives you oil in your lamp. You know how I know? Because I've run on empty. I've been late. I've been having to run to the store in order to make sure that I had enough in order to participate. And if I have, I know you have. So hear this text. Hear the significance of having that individual moment and find it in this most important season of the entire year to have it. The birth of Jesus, significant. But the stress from this moment to December 31st is what I'm talking about. This is that time, and I encourage you to find it the same way that I'm seeking to find it. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If you'll join me for our modern affirmation, if you'll please stand as you're able. We believe in God the Father, infinite in wisdom, power, and love, whose mercy is over all his works, and whose will is directed to his children's good. We believe in Jesus Christ, Son of God and Son of Man, the gift of the Father's unfailing grace, the ground of our hope, and the promise of God fulfilled. We believe in the Holy Spirit as a divine presence in our lives, reminding us always of the truth of Christ, our inspiration and strength in times of joy and sorrow. We believe our faith should be apparent in our words of love and acts of service that the kingdom of God may be a present reality here on earth. Thank you. You may be seated. Our children are going to sing one more time for us as part of the offering. You can give as the plate goes by. You can give um, electronically with instructions in the bulletin. As they come up and get settled, I'll show you one thing. It's real. Aaron Knight designed it. Leslie Pace chased it. We'll never, ever in our lives pay them enough for what they've done to take the dumpster fire that they inherited and turn it into this beautiful thing. If you want, you can stay after a couple minutes and we'll hand it around. I want to make sure that you see the kids sing. It's real. It exists, and it's only because of you and it's only because of her. That's it. And I'm grateful to them. Um, we're going to do one more draft to make sure that we get the contact information right. And then I'm going to...
give them a trip to Hawaii. <laughs> Please stand for our last song, and if you're a Sunday school leader and need to go, you're certainly welcome to do that.
crazy service today. We appreciate y'all singing. Y'all did a great job. We appreciate y'all coming, participating. We hope that everything in this season can help us draw, help you draw closer to this son that was born, that we can understand our call, our passion, our faith in Jesus Christ. It's in his son, whose name we pray. Amen. Thank you.